The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I don't know what I expected as it relates to the return of DeMar Hamlin to play. I probably didn't expect on January 2nd that on June 7th, we'd be saying that yesterday DeMar Hamlin was a full participant at practice. Yes, it's non-contact. It's still football practice. And contact happens at football practice. And he's back to normal. We went a week, maybe, wondering, is he ever going to be back to normal right. from the potential loss of oxygen to the brain while his heart had stopped and had to be revived twice on the field and there he is looking normal looking like the football player that he was last year for the bills and it's a great story it's, it's amazing a great turnaround it's a great inspiration we talked earlier in the week about how his involvement in distributing aeds with all the millions that were given to his foundation while he was fighting for his life literally those AEDs will save lives. The awareness of his struggle will save lives, already has saved lives, will continue to do so. Everyone is aware now of the AED. You see an event like that, where's the AED is the first thing people will be saying because of what we all learned through his experience. And the fact that he's on track to play really is amazing. It's, it's a- unexpected. And it just makes a great story even better. It does. It makes it. It's an amazing story. I mean, I'm rooting for him, but I, I can't lie to say that I'm not nervous a little too. Like, aren't you nervous a little? I don't even know the science behind it, but I'm like, are we sure he's supposed to be out there this quickly? Are we well, sure? I mean, it, you know. And again, I'm rooting for him. I know, but it. it, it I, I know people went through that with my injury there. When it's a serious injury like that, you're like, wait, can he? Can this happen again? And I don't think it can, but, you know, I, I, I do worry for him a little bit. And I'm also extremely happy he's out there playing. The condition that they assume caused his cardiac arrest, commodio cordis, a sudden blow to the chest that causes the heart to stop. It is extremely rare. 
and it can happen in theory to anyone. Right. But when you have someone to whom it's already happened, yeah. it's naturally going to make people nervous right. about whether he's got, he's got some predisposition right. to it. Exactly. Because, yeah. yes, it's very rare, but it's happened to him. Yeah. So that's where if if he was my son and he's younger than my son, I would be very nervous about it every day that he's in a position to sustain any contact. And no matter how many times he takes a helmet to the chest plate of his shoulder pads, no matter how many times that happens, my own heart is going to skip a, skip a beat every time it occurs. How can it not? How can it not? Because it's already happened to this person. So it does create an extra level of anxiety and curiosity. Yeah. And I think as football fans, we'll get, we'll get used to it. But will it ever completely go away? This is the first time there's ever been a guy who fits in this category. I think for as long as he plays, there's always going to be when we see number three Buffalo Bills or whatever other team he may eventually play for. Right. There's always going to be in the back of our minds that concern that, yes, lightning struck and it's very rare, far more rare than lightning. But this is a guy that it happened to. How do we know it won't happen again? How, how, I mean, we're human. How can yeah, we how can right, we set that right. aside and just focus on, oh, he's fine? Yeah, no, I, I know, I know, and it's you know, I, I think we, you know, and we we've all have those with serious injuries. We all have those moments, right? You know, like Pete even got in my ear. He's like, remember Alex Smith with his broken leg and all that, and he got back, and Aaron Donald was on his back. So it might just be one of those where we got to see him get hit and hit somebody a few times, and then we all go, okay, hey, he's good. He's a football player again. Okay, boom, and I think that'll go a long way, probably for him and all of us once we watch him play. Yeah, and uh, it's coming. Uh, training camp will be here before we know it. We'll see him in the preseason. We'll see him in the regular season. Week one, Monday Night Football, taking on the New York Jets. And what an ovation he'll get, even in New York, as in New Jersey, not New York. In New York, it would be fine. He'd be the home team. In New Jersey, he's the road team. But uh, I'm sure he'll get a great ovation from the fans at MetLife Stadium that night when uh, he runs out on how come New York's the only the the New York team's the only one that gets that but there's so many teams that don't actually play in the city you know that they're actually they claim right they play in the state okay so it's the state state. they get it okay all right I think I think state lines is where it becomes an issue I know it's always an issue for the feds I think it should be an issue for the fans too right okay all right that's cool you cross state lines. I mean what I would want to say is like I know we cross state lines but I would want to say is like you know MetLife Stadium's closer to New York City than the Dallas stadium is to Dallas. That that's what I would like challenge on that. That that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, we don't call right. them the Fort Worth uh, Cowboys. Still, it's still Texas yeah, or Arlington or wherever that Arlington, stadium. wherever the hell it is. Uh, okay, right. more Bills news. Ed Oliver got his contract over the weekend. We have the full breakdown at PFT. It's one of those deals where the Bills, frankly, frankly, all due respect to the contract, they could tear it up after one year. They could tear it up after two years. They could tear it up after three years. Here's Oliver regarding his plans to uh, literally tear it up and make the Bills feel like they've gotten a good deal in Ed Oliver. Here he is. I don't feel no pressure. I feel like I'm going to outplay the contract, to be honest, but that's just, my, that's just the way I think. I just want to shut everybody up who said I was overpaid or something like that. Like, just sit back and watch. Did you hear that? I mean, that, that, was, that was out there for some reason. Yeah, it, is, it is what it is. They must don't watch me, but. I know when I step on the field, I'm a dominant player. Yeah, 
look, he's not at the top end of the market. He's at about half of what Aaron Donald makes at $17 million per year in new money. It's actually a little bit less than that because the 17th game check wasn't factored into the calculation of new money. He's a little under that $17 million per year. And again, Aaron Donald's north of $30 million. And there's that cluster of guys at 22 and 23, Deron Payne, Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence. Quinnen Williams is going to be north of that, I would suspect, by a little bit. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't think he's overpaid. I don't think he's overpaid. I think, as we said earlier this week, they put an offer on the table that he wasn't going to say no to. Oh, yeah. And it gives him at least, at least, whether he earns all of it from the Bills or someone else, if they would cut him after a year, he's still guaranteed to make $22 million over the next two years. Yeah. Where he was going to make $11 million. That's right. It's hard to walk away from that. That is exactly right. And that's why he's probably going, I feel no pressure. I mean, yeah, now you got some money in the bank and you can play and get after it. And he is a good player. Is he a superstar? No. Has he lived up maybe to the you know what we expect out of a top ten pick to just be an absolute game wrecker all the time? Maybe so like some of these other guys are. Okay, maybe not to that extent. But damn, he's really good. Damn, they drafted him. Damn, they believe in the human and the, like again, he's part of their culture. I think he fits that really nicely there. And I honestly think like this is one where I, I, both sides got it right. I really look at it and go, he fell in line exactly where he should be in the defensive tackle hierarchy as far as who's paid and what you're getting paid and all of that, right? He didn't deserve to be in the Vita Vea or Jonathan Allen class, even though, hey, their 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 contracts became, you know, came last year and all that. He's not that kind of player, you know? So I, I think it's just right where they got him and then hopefully – he can play even better and then maybe put a little pressure on them to get some more money. And I'm rooting for that. And while keeping Ed Oliver around, they've added to the pass rush with the signing of veteran defensive end yeah. Floyd. Here's Floyd from yesterday regarding a report that he took a lesser deal to join the Buffalo Bills. Why would you leave money on the table to come here to Buffalo to play for the Bills? Oh, it was simple. Uh, shoot, I want to win. I want to win the Super Bowl, and, I, and I'm examining teams and looking at their rosters, and the Bills the best, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I just felt like if I come here, I can help help the team get there and win the game. Vaughn was the person who uh, helped me get mine, you know what I'm saying? And once he said that, I was like, yeah, Vaughn, we, you know that's what I want. So just got to come in, do the work, put in the work to get there. Yeah, and look, this is what they needed. This allows them to take it easier with Vaughn Miller. Don't rush him back. Don't bring him back week one. Make it week six. Put him on the pup list. Save him for later in the season. Have that great rotation. And then you've got Leonard Floyd with Gregory Russo and their other defenders who got to the quarterback last year. So I think it was smart and uh, smart on both sides to make this happen. At a time when we're thinking about the Bills adding to their offense, hey, Add to your defense. That'll help your offense as well. Yeah, sure. I, I, I love the move. You, you, I mean, Mike, what was that? Was that earlier this – was that Monday or last week when we talked about yes, Leonard Floyd? Monday. It was Monday. You're right. I mean, Len, this is one of the – Breaking news. Nuclear holocaust. <laughs> yeah, right. This we, is... we interrupt this program for a special report. <laughs> that was Monday, too. Air. Yeah, that was Monday, too. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Doom. We remember. Um, <laughs> but this is, this is one of the, the, my favorite signings of the offseason. You know, I, I think this guy is a hell of a player. I don't think he's getting the credit he deserves. 
You know, he's a little bit at that point of his career where people get scared. But when you put on the film and study him a little bit, you're going to watch, like you heard me say on Monday, a really complete football player. And a guy that's gotten 30, almost 30 sacks over the last three years. I mean, that's damn good. But it's more than the sacks. Like I talked about, he's phenomenal against the run. You know, he's a phenomenal athlete in coverage. He's, I, I, call, I used to call him the praying mantis because of how long he is and athletic he is out in the football field. So uh, I think it's a great signing by them, and I think he'll fit that culture. And i got to think Von Miller probably played a part in this conversation too. He probably told the Bills, like, wait, you don't know what you're missing this guy. This guy's physical. He brings it. He's a player. You know, he'll fit what we want to do here, Sean McDermott. And uh, I think this is a good piece for them to, you know, hopefully get them over the top. And it really does come at the perfect time when they need to get Von Miller to just slow it down. Quit rushing to get back week one. We need you in January, not in September. So maybe they can hold him out until week six, bring him along slowly, work him into the rotation, and then unleash him when they're facing the Bengals or the Chiefs exactly. or the Jaguars right. or the Ravens That's right. or any of the other great teams that yeah. they may encounter in the playoffs, assuming they get there. It's still not a, still not a no-brainer that anyone other than the AFC East champion is going to get there. And it's not a no-brainer that Bills are going to win the AFC East again, not with what the <laughs> Dolphins and Jets have done it's, this offseason. Is anything yeah, a no, really. anything? It's, nothing's a no-brainer. The only thing that's a brainer, all right, and the fact of in lieu of a no-brainer is the Chiefs are going to be in the playoffs. That's the only thing I feel yeah. confident about saying in the AFC. Other than that, I mean, it is up for grabs. I mean, I feel extremely confident the Chiefs will be in the playoffs. Yeah. I feel... Pretty damn confident the Jaguars will be there. But in the AFC South, who the hell knows? It but I'm with you there. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, I hear you. I feel like the Bengals will find a way back, but but who knows? Injuries could affect them because they've got the Ravens and the Steelers and who the hell knows what the Browns are going to be. So exactly. you're right. Other than the Chiefs, it's Chiefs plus six other teams in the playoffs. And stay tuned for the 17 games to see who they are because there's going to be – Teams that don't make it, that are good enough to have the planets line up and run the table. Exactly, yeah. I think that's what we're looking at. We're looking at one of those kind of years in the AFC where we might have teams that don't make the playoffs where you go, they could have won the Super Bowl this year. It doesn't happen a lot. It happened a few years ago. Remember when the Steelers just barely missed the playoffs, right? They lost to the Saints, I think, in the second-to-last game of the year. And then they, in a, in a tight one where Juju Smith-Schuster fumbled late in the game as they were driving, yep. right? Remember that? That was a that year. That was when Antonio Brown quit. Exactly. That was when he quit. That was a year where they had some injuries and some things they had to deal with. But once they got healthy, I started to go, oh, man, the Steelers are one of the best teams in football. If they get in the playoffs, they're going to they're make a run. And every now and then that happens, and this is one of those years in the AFC where I, I agree with you, Mike. There might be a team that we go, Super Bowl caliber, can make a run and doesn't even get in the dance. Uh, it's going to be fun. And in the NFC, it's so freaking wide open, and we're going to wait for somebody, anybody, to potentially challenge the 49ers and the Eagles. But in the AFC, it's easier to identify the teams that I have think no you chance. said right. Chiefs it's and Jaguars are probably the leaders that I would take. If you do maybe two teams to pick to go to the playoffs – for sure. The Jaguars because they're talented and because of the rest of the division, and then the Chiefs because they're the Chiefs. Who has no chance, though? Is it is it fair to say the Jaguars have – not the Jaguars. Who am I thinking of? The Texans. The Texans are the one team. If you had to pick one team in the AFC that has no chance, it would be the Texans. I, I would agree with and that. And watch, they'll make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, watch but I would agree playoffs. with that. I think that's the D'Amico one team Ryan. for sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd look at them for sure, yes. 
All right, uh, let's take a break. When we return, Sam Howell is the commander's starting quarterback. Unless, of course, he isn't. Buy or sell when PFT Live continues right after this. He was having a discussion with Mike Florio <laughs> on Pro Football Talk, and I guess I was like, Mike was the Lego guy. Well, you, know, never- you know, my first thing was almost like it's dollhouse-ish. Yeah. Right? Sure. And I just can't see myself too like, yeah. you know, I was like, man, I don't know. I'd feel like a child or whatever okay. if I was like working little rooms inside. Ooh, let me make this intricate doorway and right, whatever well, else. That's, 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 dist- where- that's a distinction. <laughs> That's the Spaceballs reference when Dark Helmet was playing with his doll. That's right. I see your Schwartz <laughs> is as big as mine. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, that was a great movie. Let me tell you a quick story about Spaceballs real quick, okay? I don't know what year that was released. What, maybe 88? 87-ish. Yeah, all right, okay. My mom took me to that movie, right? And Because I think it was getting a lot of hype, and, you know, she's Dirty Diana, so I, she wasn't afraid to take me and see some risque things but i don't think she had any idea uh, like you know how crude it is how many hidden jokes and sayings there are right so i'm watching space balls and i'm kind of like oh this is kind of good i don't know i'm entertained and i keep looking over at my mom and my mom's like really embarrassed about things that are being said you know Obviously, there's a lot of adult humor in there. It was going right over my head. I had no idea. If she wasn't like kept looking at me concerned, I would have been like, I don't know what that. Yeah, right. And we left. She made me. She left. She was like, we got to leave. I can't let you watch this anymore. And I was like, I don't get it. I didn't hear any swear words. There was no murder. What? I don't understand. But it was all the sexual jokes that they make throughout the movie. (laughs) That's the thing, though. If you do it sufficiently subtle. Right. It it does get lost on kids i had no idea no idea i didn't really even figure it out until i feel like i was like a a, a teenager in high school where i was like oh man this money movie's funny i didn't realize how perverted it is and all that so uh, yeah but that's my space ball story uh thank you for that no problem no problem Um, (laughs) i have no fresh lego story i still have the guts of the typewriter and our hiatus is coming by the way people keep asking me when's your hiatus if you're curious or if you're not our last show is June 16, and we're back July 27. So next Friday, enjoy it while it lasts, folks, because it's going to be gone for five weeks, and you're going to miss us. And people are already dreading it. They're planning their lives around it. They're planning their vacations around it. At least some are, which kind of disturbs me. So uh, anyway, during hiatus, maybe I'll finish that typewriter, and I'll, I'll display it when we okay. come back. Somebody also challenged us. I know we have to get on to the actual reason we're here to talk about football, but – Somebody challenged us to grow beards during the hiatus and I, right. show up I the first Monday right. with our beards. I, I, Are I, you willing to do that? I, I don't think I am. I don't think – nobody wants to see – I can't grow a beard. I don't want to see that. I, so I don't even think I'm – I don't think I can really do it, nor do I, I – I, like when it gets to a certain point after about seven, eight days with me, it doesn't look like a beard. It just looks like white trash crap. So I don't really want to do that. <laughs> well, white is the key word for me. And I'm telling you, if I go a day without shaving, I mean, it is Santa Claus time. It, it is stunning. Like, I don't know how I have any dark hairs on my head because everything from here to here is white. 
and and it and I see it in my chin. Yeah, that's what I'll notice. Right when it's time to shave, it's this cluster of white hairs, like one of those Lego things, the spaghetti maker, and you're just popping it through. It's like white Play-Doh coming right out of my chin. It's like, <laughs> what in the hell is this? So I probably won't do it either. Although I, I may so, let it go a few so days. So you're telling me just, just for fun. I think you're telling me that you, when you grow your beard out, right? You know, you might look like the guy, you know, shine your shoes and Goodfellas or the guy that they look at in the painting and go, hey, he looks Billy like Bats. he looks like the guy that's in the back of our trunk right now. Looks like <laughs> so that, someone we know. Yeah, right. Hey, exactly. Looks like someone we know. <laughs> looks like someone we know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Bats, go get your shine box. By the way, the anniversary of that actual event is June 13th. Wow. June 13, 1970. For any Goodfellas aficionados out there, you don't have to be told that because, you know, as that scene begins, June 13th. 1970, where Billy Bats makes the mistake on his first day out of prison of telling Tommy DeVito to go get his shine box. Disrespect to Tommy. Yeah, you're a little, you're a little, you uh, I don't shine shoes no bit, more. I don't know. You heard. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and that was that for Billy Bats. So, well, yeah. not really. Well, not really. He, he took later. a few no bats. He took a few bats yeah. to the head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. But 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 he even survived that, and then he came back to life in the trunk. And it wasn't until he was stabbed in the in the stomach and shot in the chest that he finally Thank died. Thank you very much. This and is then, a great show. And then and then they had to go back and dig him up because they were going to build condos wherever they. they uh, that's, that right. that's right. That's so, right. Yeah. I'd say the movie's thirty three years old. If you haven't, you haven't seen, seen it seen now, screw now. off. Right. Yeah. He was dead the whole time. All right. Uh, buy or sell. The commanders should not trade Chase Young. Young says, I've always played to prove myself. He was defensive rookie of the year, but he had that torn ACL in his second season. He's took a while coming back from it. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. Should they trade him? I'm going to – well, the the commanders shouldn't trade Chase Young. I'm going to sell that idea. All right? Because I do think if they got a great offer or whatever, I would trade Chase Young. There's only so many people on your defensive line you can can pay. And right now, he's kind of the unknown. We know Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen are awesome. And Montez Sweat, as we sit here right now, is clearly better than Chase Young as well. So that's where, you know, it, it the rubber meets the road to where, again, I wouldn't say, oh, you definitely want to trade him. But they'd be crazy if they got some good offer not to at least listen or think about it a little bit for the purpose of team building. And you can't just have, you know, an, a defensive line that's $100 million every year. So that's where I would say that. I don't think anybody's going to offer anything no, they're not until we see him right. back on the field right. playing up to something approaching the level we saw when he was the defensive rookie of the year. And also, if the commanders aren't contenders as we get close to the trade deadline, then that's an opportunity. And maybe by then, who knows, Josh Harris will be in charge of the team. And who knows how active he's going to be in decisions like this. But this is a fairly big decision. What do we do with Chase Young? He's having a good year. We're not. Do we take whatever someone's offering us now? Do we try to keep him around? Do we franchise tag him? What do we do? Those are decisions that I think don't become relevant until we know. Yes. That he is I think the guy that's the right way to or say something it. close to the guy that he used to be. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. There. So time will tell. For now, get yourself in shape. Get out there. Yep. Try to wreak havoc like you did in 2020. And if it works out, good things will happen for Young, whether it's with the commanders or someone else. That's right. right. Here's Ron Rivera, the commander's head coach, on their quarterback competition. Remember, he's been saying all along, and he told us at the Super Bowl, Sam Howell is QB1. He later tried to apply a caveat to that, that he's got to earn the starting job. Here's Rivera on where things stand. 
Do you still consider it a competition between Jacoby and Sam? I do. I, I you know, again, it's one of those things that guys. It's it's. You know, just because I said he's going to start off as QB1 doesn't mean he's going to finish as QB1. Um, I like to believe, though, that if he goes out and does things he's capable of, he's got a very, very good chance of doing that. Um, I think Jacoby has shown us some things that have really caught people's attention. We talk about Jacoby almost as much as we talk about Sam. So I just think as as we go through this process and, you know, until we play games, it would be unfair to start making assessments. You know, but, again, uh, there is a lot of confidence. You know, we, we went through some of the quarterback competitions the other day, and we didn't include Sam Howell versus Jacoby Brissett because we just assume they mean what they say when they say Sam Howell's the guy. But if he doesn't do what they think he's capable of doing, this is not scholarship year for anyone with the commanders. This is prove it or new owner is going to be more inclined to hire somebody else. So, yeah, they'd love for Sam Howell to be the next big thing and to come out and make everyone say, wow, they've got their quarterback That's for the next right. 10 years. That's right. Let's go ahead and keep the coach and GM and everybody else in place too. Yep. If they feel like it's not going to be him, then it's just let's win as many games as we can with the best option we have. We can't afford to have a 5-12 and 12 season where – hey, Sam Howell did some good things. Maybe he's the guy we build around. I don't think that's enough to save people, and it may not be enough to save Howell for 2024. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, they got to do what's right. But, I mean, for this, the purpose of this where – I mean, this is a tough one. You know, it, it, you know, buy or sell, it, is this a true QB competition? I'm going to sell that it's, it's not. I, it, it's close, but, you know, hear what I say a little bit. You know, you just said it right. You know, they want Sam Howell to be the guy. You know, they think, you know, there's some things about him that, you know, make him a good starting quarterback. Plus, there's some untapped potential that he can do that, that can that that they're hoping they can untap. And then he can show us, hey, they're their guy for the next 10 years. Like you're saying, they know what Jacoby Percet is, right? Jacoby Percet. So what I'm saying is, like, I think it'll take something significant for Jacoby Percet to be the starting quarterback. It'll be significant. And that, to me, does not. It's not conducive to a real quarterback competition. I, when, when I say significant, like if if if, if Jacoby Brissett is going to look better than Sam Howell in a lot of practices, he's going to look better. He's a pro. He's been around. He's going to understand how to work practice better and do all that. Sam Howell's still young. He's not going to be the practice player he is. But if Jacoby Brissett's just a little bit better in practice every day, just a little bit right? And even the games, maybe he's just a little bit bit better, or if it's very close. I think Sam Howell will still be the starter, because they're going to go, wait, we think he's still growing, and he could be something better here in another few weeks, right? Where, like, I only think Jacoby Brissett's the starter if Sam Howell really, like, whoa, he had a week where he threw 10 interceptions in training camp, and he, he looked like crap in preseason game one and two. Like, it was a big difference between Howell and Jacoby Brissett. So that's why I sell. I don't think it's a a real quarterback competition. How do you sell to the locker room letting Howell be the guy if they believe Brissett is better? I yeah. Well, that's where that's where again it's got to be like a little bit of the fine line there. It can't be too much better. But I think he'll continue to say things like that right there, right? And they'll probably give Jacoby Percet reps with the number ones to make it still look like it's a competition, and they're going to want to do that to keep him sharp and also, you know, hot poker Sam Howell to continue to be better, and this is just not given to you there. You know, but that's where, hey, the games are going to say a lot. 
And can Sam Howell be a gamer and do some things there that we think he can be and we saw in college and we saw a little in week 18 last year that can maybe make up for the fact that he won't be as efficient as Jacoby Brissett is every day in practice and always, you know, look like he got an A-plus grade in that department. And I think, you know, that's what they're going to have to hope for, that he shows his gamer, gamer ability once we get into the preseason. Four years ago this month, the Rams, over my very loud objection, gave quarterback Jared Goff a market-level contract. Two seasons later, he was hot-potatoed out of town. They tucked a first-round pick into the Matthew Stafford trade package to unload his contract. Now, after two seasons with the Lions, there's a belief in Detroit he's better now than he was with the Rams. Let's hear what both Dan Campbell, the coach of the Lions, had to say yesterday to get this started followed by Sean McVay trying to tiptoe through the minefield of not criticizing Goff, but also not admitting that maybe they should have given him a little more time to develop in L.A. I mean, he's a better quarterback than he was there, in my opinion, um, because he can do more things. He's, he's mentally on it. I mean, we, we've come light years ahead of where he was two years ago when we walked in and just start teaching him protections. I just feel like we, we – uh, you know, we ask him to, uh, we put a lot of things on him let, let, where I'm not so sure that was ultimately uh, what, what they were doing. I think Jared's played at a really high level. I'll tell you what, though, when you watch what he did last year, he played great. And I think because he's so conscientious, you know, repetition is the mother of learning. The more you play, the more you learn. You can really see, you know, he's able to get through progressions quickly. They were asking a lot of him. He got a lot of different guys involved, took great care of the football. And so... Um, I think he's only gotten better. I was really happy to see how well he did. I think, you know, that's probably a fair assessment because he's only getting better. Okay, before we get to the substance there, remember when I showed the video a couple weeks ago of the bear that was raiding the trash can? Yeah. I think if you would put a Lions t-shirt on that bear, <laughs> it would look like Dan Campbell. <laughs> Good God, that guy's huge. Oh, he's huge. I mean, he's, 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 out my of, God, he's like, he's the guy I joke. I mean, he's out of a cave. I mean, he's, he's in Neanderthal. And I say that again, with the greatest respect of, you know, the brotherhood of Neanderthals, meathead, Neanderthal, right. Dan, psycho, you know what that means? That means good football player. That's what that means. And you know, I respect a good football player and that's what he is. But yeah, he is a, he's a giant human being as we saw in person at the combine this year. He could pick up that trash can and throw it around the same way the bear did. Okay, so. Yeah, let's unpack this. I believe that the Lions assumed the Jared Goff contract to get the extra first-round pick, and they were just going to tread water for a couple of years while they figured out who their quarterback was going to be. On the way to doing that, the guy has developed. The guy has blossomed. He's played better. Now. How do you reconcile this if you're Sean McVay? Because if you praise him too much, why'd you get rid of the guy that, that you'd given all the money to? And he's still only 28, and maybe he's your foundational piece. And maybe you'll wish you had him once Matthew Stafford's done. Here's the difference. It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of what constitutes success. For the Lions, they'd love to be perennial playoff team, even if they lose short of the Super Bowl. I think the Rams decided yeah. there's a ceiling on Jared Goff. Right. He's never going to win us a Super Bowl. If we want to win a Super Bowl, we need somebody else. The Lions will worry about that when they are on the fringes of being a Super Bowl contender. Right. And maybe at that point, they move on from Jared Goff. But for now, he's the guy that helps build the program toward the point where they say, 
this guy's taking us as far as he can. That's right. And and listen, I think they're already putting that question out there by drafting Hendon Hooker in the third round, too. We're going, man, we're not sure. You know, we like where we're going, but we're not sure. You know, it, 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 it's a good topic here. You know, the, the first thing is, is what I would say. I agree with what Dan Campbell said. You know, I, I do. I do agree with it. But they were forced into that corner, though. They had no choice, right? The Rams were good enough to go, oh, wait, Jared Goff can't throw the out route very good? All right, well, we're good enough. We'll find out another way to throw a screen to Gurley, throw something to Robert Woods. I'll come up with, you know, uh, fake the run, fake the speed sweep, play action pass, screen to this guy. So they were always kind of covering Jared Goff there, and they were good enough to do it. So they didn't have to push him to go, no, 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 you need to hit this throw. You need to hit this throw. Detroit, on the other hand, was not good enough to do that. They were not. And they got to the point where they were like, hey, buddy, you got to sit in the pocket and make this throw. This is all we got. Todd Gurley isn't here to run around the corner for 90 yards. We got no Cooper Cup that's going to break, run the greatest route ever, and run up the middle for 75 yards and a touchdown, right? And that's where I think the rubber met the road. And yeah, it pushed Goff and it pushed the Lions to push Goff because they were stuck in a situation where they were like, we're stuck with them there. But so that would be the reason I would say he's better now than then. But, like, to your point, Mike, there, he could not have done what Matthew Stafford did. There's no way he was bringing the Rams to the Super Bowl. There's no way he was going to do what Stafford did with one of the great second-half performances in the history of the Super Bowl with no talent around him and injuries everywhere and beat the Bengals. There's no way. And I think that's your point of why they made that move there. And, you know, the jury's still out in that department on golf, in my opinion. I remember when I was a kid, there was an insult that went along the lines of – you're so ugly, they have to put a pork chop around your neck to get the dog to play with you. I mean, basically, <laughs> they had to put a pork chop around Jared Goff's neck to get the Lions to take him. And Goff is smart enough to know that the Rams were done with him and that they threw him out the door and that they basically had to put a pork chop around his neck to get Dan Campbell to take him, which may literally have been the way to get Dan Campbell to do it. But he knows that. And how are you not... Like, how do you not use that as a way to motivate yourself to be the absolute best version of yourself that you can be, to find a level of achievement you've never had before? That that should be – think about how Tom Brady would react to something like that. Think about how, how every great quarterback sure. would deal with it. That's a slap in your face. It's an affront to who you are, and you're going to become even more focused, do everything necessary to be the best quarterback you can be, to stick it to the team that gave up on you. And – and that's where Goff is now. I think he's trying to stick it to everybody who ever doubted him. And anybody who ever doubted him had those doubts validated by what the Rams had to do to get him off the roster. Well, yeah, that. And, and, and like, you know, I know we're all you know prisoners of the moment and all that. But we were at a point last year where, I don't know, what, what, what point of the year was it where we were like, Jared Goff has only won like two games of the history of the starter without Sean McVay, right? I mean, it was like some stat like that. I know I'm probably blundering it a little bit, but and then they got on the hot streak and that kind of went away. But that was what we were talking about last year. Jared Goff can't win a game without Sean McVay. And then they started to win some games. Now, he played really good, and like I talked about in my quarterback rankings, he's tough. He's got a stronger arm than people realize, and he's got more – confidence in his ability to throw the ball into a tight window on aggressive throws and he certainly did with the Rams but we'll see where it goes like I said there's still questions about hey their defense was horrible their offense was super talented in all areas 
And that led it to a free-willing, hey, we're behind, so we got to push the envelope. And, hey, you got to push the envelope. And a mistake happens and all that, so what? But we have no choice. you got to go. It's going to be different this year. And that's where I'm interested to see the reaction to the Lions team and golf because there is going to be a little more of a bullseye on them. And as we said recently, some of these things that are coming out of Lions camp, whether it's from offensive coordinator Ben Johnson or head coach Dan Campbell, Leaving meat on the bone last year, expecting more from the offense. It goes to the guy That's who's what they're saying. the offense yeah. and making the decisions about where to throw the football. It's more pressure on him. More pressure on the team equals more pressure on him. It's one thing to be motivated by being disrespected in the past. Now he's got to be motivated by this assumption that the Lions are going to be good and they're going to be the darlings of primetime this year, unexpectedly. So we'll see how Goff responds in that moment. Let's take a break. When we return, we get to the top 10 of the Chris Sims quarterback countdown, including a quarterback who is very tied to Jared Goff. We'll address that next year on PFT. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I've used this metaphor a few times the past couple days, and I kind of enjoy it, so bear with me. Matthew Stafford is 35, going on 55. (laughs) He's had a ton of injuries that we know about and that we don't know about. He's like that car that is falling apart as it gets to the finish line. Can it hold together to get to the finish line? And how close is that finish line? I think it's closer than anyone realizes. I have a feeling that was the Three Stooges (laughs) with Les Snead, Sean McVay, and Matthew Stafford as the car fell apart. Uh, Okay, so even with those issues, even with the caveats, even with Matthew Stafford yet again having an injury that limited his ability to be the best version of himself that he could be, he still earns a spot very high in the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback countdown, coming in at number 10. Yeah. Right. Why do you have him so high? Well, because I think really the the uh, the only negative for me is the injury thing there, right? I mean, being beat up, I get that. 
But I think when you break it down and watch the guy, I mean, the, the thing I'll say about Matthew Stafford here is his, his arm is an all-time arm. Of all the QBs that I've had on the list, really, and especially in the top 25, nobody was under more duress and pressure than Matthew Stafford. They couldn't protect. I mean, first off, look at some of these throws he makes. He is phenomenal. I mean, and he is, even though not a great runner, he is phenomenal in the pocket. Okay, and that's where he's really special. But it's, I mean, look at every throw you're going to watch here is him getting hit, him making an amazing throw. Sidearm, lasers, whatever. That's all he does. He had no help last year. He is a year off of leading the NFL in touchdown passes and winning the Super Bowl. I'm not going to erase that and go, oh, he drops down because, you know, drops down significantly because the team sucked and couldn't run the ball and protect, pass protect. I mean, look at some of this stuff is bad news bears-ish. He can't even get to the top of his drop, and he's getting hit. And and that was the one thing that really jumped out to me when I went back and watched, you know, a good amount of throws and games. And Pete heard me say this the other day when I broke it down in the podcast. I mean, it, it's human abuse if you watch the Bucks game, the 49ers game, the Cowboys game. I mean, it's like, how, how could you even do this to a quarterback? Um, so that's where I still believe in him. He's got more arm angles. He's up there with Allens and Mahomes. And 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 in uh, sidearm throws, his ability to throw under pressure is really good. And like I said, his ability to throw the ball down the field and make plays with his arm is still as good as it gets. And look, one of the big problems last year, his elbow injury, yep, kept him from throwing at all in the off season. Right, didn't participate in the off season program. The timing was off all over the place. I think that contributed to some of the issues we saw definitely he's a stubborn guy he is a tough sob he's going to show up no matter what as long as he can walk and even if he can't he's going to be out there willing himself to play at a high level and he keeps going and going and going and as i said in the clip that we played at the top he has injuries that we know about and he has injuries he never tells anybody about right it's not like situations where the team's hiding it he's hiding it from the team he just deals with it yeah he's old that's just how he's wired yeah and and uh, that's why I say he's an old 35. Yeah, he is. We don't know how many injuries he's had. No, that, it's, he, he may have the Jimmy Garoppolo graphic that we just don't know about. That's right. It's the one thing that scared me about putting him at 10. It was that, really. It was just that. You know, the, the playmaking ability, the decision-making ability is still top-notch. Can he be a little crazy at times? Yeah. You know, he's so good like a Josh Allen or Mahomes, right? You know, he, he could be getting sacked and throw a sidearm 20-yard out route, and you go, damn, what a throw. But, you know, he'll also get whirled around in a 360 and try to throw a post down the middle like we saw against the Tennessee Titans two years ago, and it's a pick six. So that's where there's some negatives. The injury and maybe a little too reckless at times, but not crazy, still really talented. And if you give Matthew Stafford a little time and uh, you know a system, he will tear you up with decisions and one unreal throw after another, and, and that's where I got great respect for the players still. Next up on the list at number nine, and this is one that's going to raise some eyebrows. It's going to make people very happy in Cleveland because they don't know what they have in number four, Deshaun Watson. They have number nine on the Chris Sims list, even though this guy's played six games over the course of the last two seasons. Why do you have him so high? Well, because, you know, again, I'm I'm taking the liberty of, hey, OTAs, training camp, all right, Deshaun Watson's going to get back and like get back to what he was. He's a superstar. Deshaun Watson is a superstar. 
who was just rusty and hasn't played ball. I'm betting the superstar comes back this year. Uh, his physical skills are just too eye-popping for not for him not to be there. I've seen him do the things that he wasn't great at last year. I've seen him do it before. He just was at a new spot and hasn't played, and he's got to get back on the bike and, and ride a little bit more here. But when you talk about, you know, athletic ability, I mean, look at this throw. Guy hanging on, I was like, hey, no big deal. I'll just throw a 20-yard in cut. Oh, completion, first down on third and eight. His arm power, his ability to make plays outside the pocket, his athleticism. I mean, he had some great plays at the end of the Saints game where they could have tied it and they had dropped touchdown passes. It's all superstar level, in my opinion. It's stuff like this where, hey, I'm getting pressure. Where do I get the ball to my hand quick? Or don't stare at a guy too long, even if it is Amari Cooper, or try to force a ball in there. But these are things, again, that I think are very fixable. And I've seen him do them all at a high level. So I think it's just a a matter of time here before Deshaun Watson. I really expect him to jump back into the top five-ish, six-ish conversation in football this year when it's all said and done. And when you consider the guys in the top five, top six, that's saying a lot. And if he does that, the Browns are going to be better. And the Browns are that team in the AFC that we just look at them and say, what are they going to be? We don't know what they're going to be. They could be that team that just comes out of the gates and takes off, and we're like, wow, we should have seen this one coming. There's some things Uh, there. I don't think they're going to be bad. They're either going to be middle of the pack or they're going to be great. And and if Deshaun Watson can be the guy that he was 2020 – Watch out. Better make room at the table for the Browns. That's right. Watch out. You know, like, you know, watch out. You you look at them and you go, man, there's a lot of talent on defense. We know that. They can fly around, right? They got a new defensive coordinator. I think there'll be a bump up. We know that O-line's still real. Nick Chubb's still one of the best backs in football. Tight end's good. Receivers are pretty good, right? They got a lot of everything there. And I'm betting that a full offseason of Watson and them getting comfortable with what he does and him getting comfortable there in Cleveland – that we're going to see the superstar back at it again. By the way, we are four quarterbacks behind Chris's unveiling of his quarterbacks on on Button. The final four are coming today. And I'm going to make my guess as to how you have the final four. Play it. Let's do it. I, it's Mahomes one. It's Herbert four. And I'm going to throw a dart and say you've gone with co-number twos. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow because you couldn't decide between one or the other. Then, That's my guess. Well, your pasta and meatballs are right there. I'm never going to just give a tie, not for the quarterback rankings, but that 2-3 – with Allen and Burrow, because that's where I got it. You'll see, yes. Oh. That's where... You can't it, quit your boy Blue. It was, it was tight. It was really tight. So you'll see. You'll see. I'm not going to give it away, and you'll have to tune into my podcast later. <laughs> All right. Uh, but it would have been hard. Very hard to because I could I'd have a hard time. Yeah, it's tough. One, one is Mahomes, two Burrow, Allen, Burrow, Allen. I'd lean Burrow, but we'll see. We'll see how you separated the two later today on Unbutton. Let's take a break. When we return, Ahmad, not Ahmad. I see Aaron Ahmad Sauce Gardner, Aaron Rodgers, and Sauce Gardner <laughs> have a handshake that Christopher would definitely approve of. Yes, and want to participate in more PFT Live right after this. <laughs> There it is, the capper to the pre-practice handshake greeting between Aaron Rodgers and Sauce Gardner. 
Uh, said Andy Vasquez, I'm not an expert, but I can only assume it's chapstick related. Uh, no. <laughs> you may need chapstick after you've, you've little, done it. I don't cotton know. cotton mouth. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. We've seen – Rogers had a pre-play signal where he does a little smoky smoky. That's right. That gif is floating around out there. Yeah, right. So, yeah, we used to have one like today, and we had 200-jet smoke, right? So a 200-jet smoke was slant flat, and that would be the signal. You go give a little smoky smoke right there. So I don't know. Maybe that's what Sauce and Rogers were doing before they went to that Knicks game that one day. They hot boxed in the car, took a few puffs. And said, let's go out here and watch the Knicks play some basketball. Maybe that's where they got it from. <laughs> that's what I'd like to it think. It is legal in New York now. I yeah. know that. I was yeah. in Brooklyn. The whole place smells like weed. Oh, well, my, yeah. My uh, hotel room smelled like weed. <laughs> yeah. So, well, weed in Brooklyn's uh, been there for a while. Now that it's legal, it's it's probably well, out of hand. <laughs> now, now they got the exhaust fan on. I mean, now they right, there's not right. even a, a, the wet towel under the door. There's not even an attempt <laughs> to try to hide it. All right. Uh, the Jets have canceled next week's mandatory minicamp. Now, uh-oh, uh-oh, the, I know the where you're going. Reason is, <laughs> the official reason is they report early for practice because they play in the Hall of Fame game. They'll be there a week before everybody else. So why do we have the mandatory minicamp? I just would love to know whether this is something that they were going to do anyway this year. They decided once they knew they were playing in the Hall of Fame game that Joe Douglas, the GM of the team, and Robert Sala, the head coach, got together and said, you know what, we probably should dispense with the mandatory minicamp. Or whether this is the result of some locker room lawyering by Aaron Rodgers, who still hasn't renegotiated his contract with the Jets and holds a lot of power in that uncertainty as to how much of the $58.3 million option bonus that got moved entirely to next year, how much of it's coming back to this year, how much that structure of the next two years is going to be a de facto commitment for two years, and how much of a break he may give them over the $107 million that he's due to make over the next two years. He holds a lot of power while that is unfinished, and it allows him to maybe lobby, make some arguments, Make some suggestions. You want to keep the delicate genius happy. Oh, by the way, look at how he unloaded on the Packers last week. Look, I don't want to give the guy too much credit, but I also don't want to underestimate him. All those messages about the Packers, the implicit signal to the Jets is, you better be careful or you're going to be the team that I'm unloading about at some point down the line about all the things you did that I didn't agree with. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows what they're dealing with here. He's got tremendous power, like you're saying. Whether he renegotiates the contract or not, he's still the freaking man in that building, no matter what. And, you know, I, I, again, does he have some say in maybe the minicamp thing or what? Maybe. I don't know what, if it really plays into that. The other thing I would say, too, Mike, we see teams that, they, especially teams that are talented, they get to this point of the offseason, and they're like, oh, gosh, we made it. Nobody got hurt. Let's not roll the dice on three more practices that really aren't going to matter in the long run of things. And I think that's what happens, too, when teams are got high, high expectations like the Jets do this year. Well, and it's six and one half a dozen the other two. The Dolphins are only using six of their ten allotted OTAs. So same you know, kind of boat. Yeah, right, right. yeah. And, and remember last year, Doug Peterson, the Jaguars coach, decided these guys know what they're doing. They've put in their work. I think he canceled mandatory minicamp as just a gesture of goodwill right. to them. Right. That, that you have a real NFL coach now <laughs> yeah. who gets it <laughs> and who trusts you to, 
take care of your business without, you know, some guy stumbling around not knowing what to do. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, we spoke about Nick Boza and Debo Samuel earlier. We're going to do a draft of the best non-quarterbacks in the NFC West next here on PFT Live. We've done this for almost every division. We're going to do it for the NFC West, the best non-quarterbacks in that division. Here are the odds from BetMGM of the NFC West Division Championship. The 49ers are the overwhelming favorites. And when you consider the quality of the non-quarterbacks on the 49ers versus the other teams, you understand it. They, they may be unsettled at the most position on the field, at the most important position on the field, excuse me, they're very settled elsewhere. Right. They, right. They've got plenty of great players in San Francisco. Go ahead. First pick for you. Best non-quarterbacks in the NFC West. Well, I, I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. I'm, I'm starting there. And I, I, I know that's like it's kind of a big deal because there's a guy in L.A. that's, you know, it's, it's one of the greatest defenders in the history of football. But you, you ask me right now, I'm taking Nick Bosa. Like I said earlier in the, in the show, I think he and Micah Parsons, to me, are the two best defensive players in football right now. And we know there's a premium in and getting after the quarterback and Nick Bosa special in that department. Yeah, I mean, I'll go with Aaron Donald. He's still great. He's still one of the most disruptive forces in the entire NFL. This could be his last year in L.A., could be his last year in football. I think that unless things turn around dramatically, and even if they do, he saw how it went from 21 to 22, even if they have the great 23 – the downfall could be waiting in 24. I think he wants to get closer to Pittsburgh at some point. So this could be it for him. Maybe he goes out with a bang with the Rams. Uh, but I still have a ton of faith in Aaron Donald. Yeah, I I'm, I do too. And I certainly don't mean disrespect by taking Nick Bosa in front of him. I just, you know, where they are at their career, I'm going to take Bosa. But, damn, I'm with you. Aaron Donald, I, I expect him to still be a special difference-making type of football player. Uh, no doubt about that this year. All right. Uh, I've been – I'm staying with the 49ers. I, I, I'm going to go to Javon Hargrave. I'm going to go to Javon Hargrave, a defensive tackle. Wow. I mean, newcomer. Yeah, newcomer. But damn, one of the best defensive tackles in the game. I, you know, once you get outside of Aaron Donald and Chris Jones, right, I, that to me is where you start to go into Javon Hargrave and, and Jeffrey Simmons and Sexy Dexy as being that next group there. And, and you, you know, we know the Eagles wanted to keep him. You know, we know the Browns were involved in giving, a, trying to, to get him. And the 49ers paid big money because they think he is that guy. So I'll, I'll go with Javon Hargrave. A year ago, I probably would have said Debo Samuel. Yeah, here, but right, right. We, we talked about it earlier in the show. Yeah. He was off last year. Christian McCaffrey came on and had a great performance. Now he plays that position where the injury risk is ever-present. But given what he did last year, just thrown into things, Imagine how much better he's going to be with the full offseason to prepare, to understand the offense, and to really make a difference for the 49ers. So I'll go Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, are we going to go to a break, or are we going to finish this second? We're going to go to break here. We will take a break, and maybe we'll do a couple more rounds when we get back. Maybe we'll eventually get a Cardinal in there. Who knows? More PFT Live right after this. Eh. All right, there are the picks so far in the draft of the best non-quarterbacks in the NFC West. One more round or maybe two to go. Chris, what do you got? I, I mean, another 49er. Uh, that's what I got. I, I, you know, that's why I like this exercise. Like, we've talked in a break. It's just like it shows you that this is why they're in the NFC Championship, like you said. It's just the, the team stacked. I'm going to go with Trent Williams. I mean, Trent Williams is arguably the best left tackle in the game. 
He's awesome. He's one of those guys we we talk about upper room with Deion Sanders. That's where Trent Williams is going. He's that caliber of a player. Uh, so I, I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I I hate to take another Niner, but it's just to me, it's obvious there. Five picks in, and we've left out the Super Bowl MVP in the NFC West, Cooper Cup. I'll go with him here, even though we agreed at the time Aaron Donald should have been the MVP of that game. Cup overcoming an ankle injury. But still, even last year, it was down from the year before, but he's been so good and he's such a key part of that offense that he deserves to be mentioned in this somewhere. We got we got time for one more round? Yeah, real quick? And, but you're right. Cooper Cup does deserve that. I mean, when he was healthy last year, he was still looking awesome. I mean, of course, they couldn't protect Stafford like we talked about, so it's hard to get him down the field throws. Um, this just in, I'm going with another 49er in my fourth pick. Fred Warner is the next guy I'm taking. All right, Fred Warner, I, I feel like a re- broken record here. To me, is the best linebacker, stand-up linebacker in football. So uh, that's why I'll take him. I'm going to go with DK Metcalf there here, we go. just to give love to a team other than the Rams and the 49ers. But we we complain all the time they don't use him the way he should. Right. He should be a much more present focus of the offense. Get the ball in his hands more. If the Seahawks do that, the sky's the limit for them in 2023. That's it. We for didn't us. even Thanks get to George time. Kittle. See ya. That's true. Okay, he's going to come after you. Yeah, you. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.